Titus is laying some groundwork in chapter 5. Number one, let's look at, let's look here. Where do we start? How do we talk? Okay, before we even start talking, how should we approach them? Number one, be genuinely interested in them as people. I mean, that's simple to understand, but sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to actually apply. Because when we're going out, you know, when we're witnessing, when we want to talk to somebody about Christ, sometimes it's really easy to just view people as projects. I just got to get this person saved. All we really see them is, the only thing we see them as is a project, something that needs to be accomplished, a job that needs to be done. We cannot view people as jobs. Is our job to witness? Yeah, it's part of our, jo- it's part of our job as Christians. But we're not going to be effective if all we ever think about is people think about people as is jobs that need to be done. We need to first be genuinely interested in interested in them as people. That's a real person. That's a person with kids, with with a job, with a life, with struggles, with a, with a past. I mean, once you start talking to people, when you're showing interest in them and getting to know them, you'll just you'll start discovering things from their past that give you clues as to why they reject Christianity. Why have they not believed? I mean, around here, a lot of people grew up in church, but they've kind of just wandered from it over time. And sometimes, as you show interest in them and you get to know them, and a lot of you grew up with these people, you start to really understand them more. You understand that perhaps there was some crisis in their past, or perhaps, you know, the person that always took them to church abused them as a child. And that's why they have no interest in Christianity. You need to be genuinely interested in them as people. Number two, we need to blank to people more than we blank. We need to listen to people more than we talk. Okay? I mean, Kirk was talking about that this morning in Sunday school. Part of being interested in people, genuinely interested in people, You can say, yeah, I love people, I'm interested in people, but if you never listen to them, no, you're not interested in people. You're interested in yourself. And you want people to listen to you. Because you've arrived, right? You have the thing that they need to hear. No, when we're genuinely interested in in them as people, we listen to them more than we speak. And what were some of the scripture passages that we talked about this morning in Sunday school about listening Swift to hear, slow to speak. Sometimes that's the hardest job for the evangelist. (laughs) I mean, I'm the evangelist, right? I'm supposed to be preaching the gospel. I'm supposed to be the mouthpiece of Christ. So I need to go and speak, 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 and speak. No, you be quiet. I have something to say to you. (laughs) But that's not how we're supposed to approach people, right? We're still supposed to follow scripture and be swift to hear and slow to speak. We're having a conversation here. We're showing interest in these people rather than just expecting them to be interested in something that's supposed to be foolishness to the world, right? What else? What else comes to mind with this? Listening more than we're talking. And what was one of those verses that was on your sheet this morning? The wise man studies a matter, right? Or what, what, how, I don't have my sheet on me, but what was that? Does anybody have their Sunday school sheet with them? Um, 
I think it was maybe the second. Okay, so the the wise person, the righteous person, studies the matter. You know, when you know when you're talking to a person about Christ, you know they're asking questions or they're they're confronting you with opposition, you know, opposing arguments. Now, if you're going to be somebody who would rather study out a matter rather than just barking back an opinion or some unfounded comment, what would be a better response in that situation? If you're going to be swift to hear and slow to speak, and somebody who wants to study out a matter rather than just saying something off the cuff, how could you respond in that situation? I'll get back to you. There's nothing wrong with saying, I'll get back to you. Now, if you're just saying, I don't know, it doesn't matter, well, that's a horrible response. <laughs> because it does matter. It's part of the reason that they, they don't understand the gospel. But it is perfectly acceptable to say something like, you know what, that's a really good question. I'll look into that for you, and let's pick up this conversation again another time. You know, or I'll call you, or I'll, or I'll you know, whatever. I'll stop by another time, and we'll pick this up again, because... That's a really good question. I want to look into it. And, and, quite, and, quite honest, and, and quite honestly, people will respect you for that. Because what's the expectation? What do people normally do in that kind of a situation? <laughs> they kind of expect you to just bark out an answer, to just kind of argue with them. Even if you have no idea how to really answer the question or you know there's a better way of answering it, but, well, we're in this conversation now. i got to kind of, i got to confront it. I can't let them win this argument, and if I say I don't know, then they've won the argument. You know, I think, you know, most people, if you say, you know what, that's a really good, you validate their question. Say, yeah, that's a good question. I'm glad you've been thinking about this. Let me look into that, and I will get back to you next week, or I'll stop by, or I'll give you a call. They'll respect you for that because that's a humble answer. Donna, were you going to say something? What's the next step to that? The next step to saying, to getting back to them, you actually have to study it. <laughs> you actually have to study it and then get back to them. Right, but if you don't get back to them, yeah. they're not going to respond. Yeah. You, uh, you, you avoided an argument, but then you just kind of swept it under the rug. <laughs> so, and sometimes... If you're, study, you're trying to study out this answer, trying to figure something out, and you just can't find a good answer, you can talk to other people about it. You can call your pastor, or you can call, call another pastor that you respect. But there are a lot, you know, perhaps they have a resource, somebody, somebody knows of a resource that they've used in the past. You know, other people can help. You know, and that's why I told you at the very beginning, like, if there is a situation that you've been in, or a question that you've been confronted with that you don't really know the answer to, or it's like, man, that was really kind of hard to talk about, you know, feel free to shoot me an email or shoot me a text with the question, and I'll, and I, and I'll, look, I'll help you look into it. I'll look into it with you. So that we, and then we can talk about it as a group, because there are some good questions out there. There are some hard conversations that can be had. And it's helpful for us to come together and prepare each other for them. So, and I still, I keep that open to you. If there's a question that you've run into or something, something you've been confronted with that's confusing, feel free to let me know or whatever. We'll talk about it. And we can talk about it in class. But yeah, um, acknowledge, you know, pe people respond well when you show your humanity in a, in a sense that 
you don't think that you are omniscient. <laughs> when people, when you talk in such a way with people that you come across as thinking that you're omniscient, that you know all, of, all the answers that everybody ever has, people don't respect that. You think they will, you think they'll think highly of you, but they don't. People like to see your humanity. And when you show your humanity, you, you're, on their you're on their playing field. They know that they can interact with you as a person rather than just, well, he just wants to convert me and make me a disciple, and, you know, which in a way is true, but people on the receiving end of that don't really like that. I mean, how, how often do you like it when a Jehovah's Witness comes to you trying to shove their stuff down your throat? You know, that's not very pleasant. How, and how many times have you ever heard a Jehovah's Witness say, you know what, I don't really know the answer to that question. <laughs> I'll get back to you. You know, usually they have some answer that they're throwing out at you, you know, but it's important for us to acknowledge our humanity sometimes and just say, I don't know the answer to your question, but I'm going to look into it and get back to you. And then you go and look into it and get back to them with a, with a proper response. I mean, I had a Catholic friend of mine did that. You know, we were talking about um, purgatory and, you know, the prayers to the Virgin Mary. And I just asked them, could you show me in scripture why you believe these things? And they actually did. They went, to, they went to their priest. They asked their priest, where is this stuff in scripture? And then they put down some stuff on a piece of paper and handed it to me and said, here's where this stuff is in scripture. And then we were able to talk about those passages and how those passages weren't actually talking about that. <laughs> um, so, and, but it was, a, it was a good, engaging conversation where we both were respecting each other. Um, but anyway, moving on to number three. We need to be blank in the blank of Christianity. Number three, what did you get for that? Interested in the doing of Christianity, okay? So this is, uh, a, and this is kind of a little bit what these two uh, passages are about. But not only should we invest our voice into people's lives, but we should also be ready to live life along with them um, in the doing of Christianity. 1 Peter chapter 2, look, look there with me. 1 Peter chapter 2. And we'll close with these two passages. Verses 11 and 12. And this passage really keys in on walking the talk, not just talking the talk. Okay? So if, some, if you're trying to preach the gospel to a friend and they know that you're just as corrupt as they are, how much authority do you think what you say has in their ears? If somebody, who would like to read this passage for us? First Peter 2, 11 to 12. Linda, Linda, Linda beat you to the punch. <laughs> yeah, 11 and 12, please. And aren't we in a culture where everybody's accusing everybody of something? Everybody just wants to find something about somebody so that they can, you know, excuse themselves. You know, I mean, it's a logical fallacy. I can't remember which one. Is it ad hominem? I think attack the person um, to win your argument. <laughs> it's a logical fallacy, but it's, it's kind of what Facebook lives and breathes by. You know, if you don't agree with somebody, just attack them so that you can be right. <laughs> Well, in a, in a way, in verse 12, he's saying, you know, here's, here's the reason why I'm begging you 
to abstain from the fleshly lusts which war against your soul. Okay, so we all have temptations that we can fall to. We can get involved in things that are inappropriate for Christians to be involved in. Why? So you can have your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, or the pagans, as Linda's <coughs> translation said, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they try to ac accuse you of something, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So the day of visitation isn't, isn't necessarily like, you know, you think of visitation as like God coming to the earth to judge people. It's, in a way, it's, it's that way, but it's really the day that the Spirit reveals your sincerity. Um, they can understand your sincerity. But if there's no sincerity to understand, then you're just going to be an evildoer. Um, so we're supposed to make sure that we are living honorable in this world because people are going to be looking at us trying to figure out some way to depose us, and we need to make that extremely difficult for them. They're going to do it anyway. They're going to bring up stuff that really is wrong. But when, when push comes to shove, one day the community might see, you know what? They are actually innocent. They actually do walk the walk. You know, when Jesus was on trial, people were accusing him, accusing him, accusing him, accusing him, accusing him. But had Jesus sinned? No. Even Pilate understood that Jesus was innocent. Now, according to the will of God, Jesus was still crucified for our sins and Paul was in this situation a couple different times where he was being accused 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 but then he was seen to be innocent um, people were only rioting because they didn't like him it wasn't because he had done anything wrong so in a similar way when we are put to the test we should be blameless for the sake of those who we are trying to win um, let's see here. Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. If somebody could read these. So what specifically in this passage shows the community that we are different than them? We don't complain and fight. We don't complain and fight with each other. We don't complain about each other. And we don't fight with each other. Because what's the natural response of mankind? When something is going on, something is going on that, well, I don't like that. Or I think it should be done a different way. Or that's wrong. What happens? It turns into an argument and a fight. People divide and families divide and friends divide. That's natural. But we are supernatural. We do not come here so that we can have a soapbox to get our way done. Now, do all things without complaining. Okay, There are going to be plenty of things done, even in a small church like this, which many of us already know full well, that we don't like. We don't like the way that's done. We don't like the way that person did that. And that's why he's saying, do all things without complaining and disputing so that you can stand out. Because the natural man will complain and argue. The supernatural person has a higher calling so that you become blameless and harmless children of God 
without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. <clears throat> Love covers a multitude of Sin. sins. Choosing love rather than to argue and dispute about something makes us shine as the light of the love of God. And that is more important than getting your way, isn't it? Because we are here to glorify God, not our opinions and our desire for control. We like to be in control. It's the way of man. But we do not follow the way of man. That's why we are not supposed to be complaining and disputing so that we can be blameless the children of God, not the children of Adam, the children of Cain who murdered Abel because of jealousy. that and you know I used to I used to work with a guy and you know I had to drive home I had I drove him home from work every day because he you know I had his license was suspended for various reasons um, but the whole way home just be complaining about our boss or about the job or just complaining 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 and it's <coughs> it wears on you you know you know I have you know I admit too I had to repent too because sometimes I got caught up in it with him because I was in the same department as he was and I understood full well what he was complaining about but it's like I'm supposed to be different I'm not supposed to be like the complainer who sees all the things he doesn't like and just bleh, complains about it. You know, we're supposed to be higher than that. We're supposed to be the children of God who shine as lights, showing forth not our ourselves, but showing forth God's love. Anything else before we uh, before we pray to dismiss? All right. Well, thank you, Lord, for this challenge, this short challenge. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to just open our eyes, Lord, and see the world around us, that it's not okay, that it's damned, and that every, the people we see at the gas station, the people we see at the restaurant or the store, these people, very likely, unbeknownst to them, have a destiny in hell, unless there is some sort of gospel intercession. And Lord, we, even though we know about your election, your merciful election. We don't know who the elect is. All we know is that we're supposed to go out and win these people. We're supposed to go out and bring in these people. Help us to see the world in spiritual eyes, seeing souls, not just jobs that need to be done. Help us to be blameless in our community, starting with this little tight-knit community of Penile Bible Church. 
Help us, Lord, to be blameless, to shine as a light, starting with how we respond to and live with each other. In Jesus' name, amen.